0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson begins our series looking at the Apostle Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. Today, he introduces us to the situation in Corinth. And now, here's Phil. It's the upcoming series that we'll be following. We have been looking in our past series at some Old Testament characters together, and they were very profitable to us all. And as we begin the study of the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, we're going to meet some other characters that the Apostle Paul had to deal with at the church at Corinth. Uh, Before uh, I started reading the book, or as I was reading the book carefully, I came across in my other research is a picture that was painted by Rembrandt in about 1657 uh, this this uh, pain, painting that he did of the apostle paul spoke to me right from the beginning of my studies uh, the church had at corinth at corinth had so many issues it was a very difficult city uh, to bring the gospel to and uh, the apostle paul I kind of felt his pain as I was starting to study the book to see what could be said about it. Uh, I think several times I had my head on my hands and uh, I kind of looked aged and, and uh, a face like the Apostle Paul trying to figure out uh, what to say. But as I was uh, uh, reading and studying, uh, the, that question started to emerge. Where do we go when the going gets grueling? The solemn expression of Paul's uh, strong features uh, tells that story of uh, the difficulties that he was facing. It also underscores the depth of his belief and, and sense of purpose in his mission to spread Christianity with the known world of his time. And you could see the concern almost of what he was writing as he uh, faced a difficult task of asking their questions and addressing uh, their issues. He seems to be Partway through the letter, and he you can see his uh, sheets of whatever it was uh, at the time before him. It was pointed out to me about that picture. I don't know how well it shows up here, but uh, there are two less obvious areas of the painting. Uh, one is the light that is emanating and diffusing into the dark place. And that was what was the, before the Apostle Paul. This light that was shining in his face from the Lord, I'm sure, to remind him of the. Uh, The light of God's holy word that he was writing and was relevant to them as it is uh, today and to himself. The second that might not be too visible in the background is a sword that is uh, uh, looks like a sword, but duly it looks like uh, a cross. And uh, those are two things that speak about uh, where Paul went. When he was facing the grueling task that was before him, God's shining light into his mind and heart through the Spirit of God, and God's own inspiration and and help as he was writing Scripture for God's uh, glory. Uh, that that spoke to me as I was preparing uh, this talk for this morning. Let's begin with who wrote the letter. Uh, Paul, right at the beginning of his letter, identifies himself as the author. And it's very much indisputed uh, that he was in, he was the author, uh, as we all uh, would agree in this audience. On the Right Hand Side is an early uh, manuscript of the book of 1 Corinthians that I, I found, and it's from several hundred years later, but it's one of those early manuscripts of uh, giving early testimony to uh, to the letter of uh, of of Corinthians by Paul. Paul starts off by saying he was called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Uh, we don't know too much about Sosthenes. There was one mentioned in the in the founding of the church in Acts chapter 18 and it may well be that this same person and that's my fav- my favorite interpretation is that he's the he's the same person who was the head of the synagogue mentioned in Acts chapter 17, became a Christian convert and was uh, uh, was also a part of the writing of this letter, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. Uh, if that is in fact the case, he, uh, he was also, uh, for Paul, a culture consultant of the Church of Corinth as he was writing to give him assistance to understand the depth and complexity of what uh, was being brought before the Apostle Paul. He may have simply been the scribe of Paul, but we don't know any more about that. So the internal evidence is pretty clear that it's, uh, the, the writer was the Apostle Paul. Uh, as well, the, uh, there is external uh, support for this book being written by Paul as early in the early church as 95 AD, where Clement of Rome says, Take up the epistle of the blessed Paul the Apostle, a reference to First uh, Corinthians. And then again in around 180 AD, Irenaeus, a bishop and an apologist for the Christian faith, said uh, that uh, this was written by him in around 180 AD. So clearly the Apostle Paul uh, wrote the letter. Uh, Let's locate the city of Corinth just so we're familiar with it and what that means to the writing of the letter. It's located on the map with the red arrow. It should show up that way uh it was located on an isthmus or a uh, a sliver of land uh and its location has been important through the through ancient times through the years providing a travel and trading link between the aegean sea uh, to the east and the ionian sea to the west and it made it an important city being also this uh, it was an important city because it was close to the major center of athens and some of this will come into place play here in the next slide, the city of Corinth was indeed a strategic location. It provided access between those two seas. Its history, very briefly, was it was destroyed in 146 a. B., uh, before Christ, and then it was rebuilt by the Romans under Julius Caesar in 46 B.C., just before the coming of Christ. And importantly, it was populated with Roman war veterans, uh, slaves, The Greeks, of course, from the Macedonian area, and Jewish exiles uh, from Rome. And it was under Roman power at the time of uh, Paul's writing. It was an important city for trade and arts, and a lot of athlete athlete games were played there. And there was also many temples in the city over the history and at the time here that is very important to note because they were not just run by imperialist Rome, uh, who had their own cults and and ways of uh, behaving around their temples, but it was also uh, temples of religious cults uh, where where there was a practice of uh, of, uh, of getting together, cultures of prostitutes there. It was a very licentious uh, city. In fact, the term Corinthian uh, meant uh, you were a sexual and moral person and it was an adjective describing uh, people in early history. Uh, here is a photo of the uh sorry, just one last thing yeah that you can see in that picture uh, my my brother Terry had visited there, and that is a picture of the uh the canal that was built later on uh between those two seas it doesn't look like much of a of a river to want to drive your boat down, but it was uh, it would carry the internal freighters of the Mediterranean up and down that on later times during the time of Paul. they actually dredged i mean uh, 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 pulled the boats over the over the isthmus with uh, tracks and and horses and so on. A, a brief, brief picture of what, if you visited there today, what the what the city would look like. There was a mount uh, in the background, and uh, importantly, at the front, you can still see the Temple of Atalos remains, and uh, that was the area of the of the ancient city that uh, people can visit today and see these things are indeed uh, the case that Paul was writing to. Someone has done a reconstruction of the a reconstruction of the ancient city at Corinth. You can see there the multiple uh, temples. Uh, you can see the traditional Roman hand on architecture of the time. In the uh, uh, in the theater at the at the bottom right, it was built just about just before the time of Christ, and there were many uh, areas of meeting. Importantly, as well for our reference, there was the the Bema, which is highlighted on the on the left-hand side of the slide, the judgment place where in Acts chapter 18 Paul would have been dragged into and, and his uh, friend uh, uh, beaten there uh, for the sake of the gospel. And we'll see that again in a moment. Paul visited the city, uh, as you can see on this map, uh, towards the end of around 50 AD, towards the last part of his second missionary journey. And uh there's no other detail there, except it's a reference map of the various journeys of Paul and how it fit in. Uh, the city of Corinth, as you can pick out near Achaea, and also uh, there's a mark showing uh where Ephesus was, where he traveled after he left uh after he left Corinth and went on, and from where he wrote uh he wrote uh, the letter before us. I think it's just a note, uh, Acts chapter 18, where the church was founded, and I'll highlight a few things from that chapter. We won't read it all. You'll have to read it on your own, but, uh, uh, it's an introduction of where the, how the church was founded in Romans 8, uh, pardon me, in, in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Clodius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Uh, reading down a bit further. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. I just love these, the detail of these stories. There was a seeker of God. And Paul was brought as the one to, uh, to the one who was seeking God and expand on his knowledge and closeness to God through his presence there. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Uh, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you. And notice this, because I have many people in this city. This is astounding. Uh, Here Paul is going to the city and he is told by the Lord, there's lots of people who are mine in this city. They have been seeking him. It was the work that Paul was to do uh, to uh, share the gospel with them and enlarge their knowledge of God. And he would be protected by the people that were gods in the city. Just an amazing little bit that I never noticed about this. Story before, and so Paul stayed on in Corinth and worked with that church for a period of time and then he uh, wrote uh, uh, from this letter from uh, from the city of Ephesus It's important to us to uh, recognize the um, the threads that paul was uh, that Paul writes in through the letter to see what the flow of the information that he had when he had left Corinthians. Uh, Corinth's church, went to Ephesus, and now he's receiving new information about the church. And it, it, carefully in uh, reading this, you'll notice in chapter 5 and verse 9, I have written to you in my letter. So we think of the Corinthian letter as his first letter because it's First Corinthians, right? But in the right in that book, he refers to an earlier letter written uh, that uh, he is now having to clarify some things he said, and we'll come to that later, uh, and we don't have any record that that book uh there's no book documents uh, or letter documents left over to now it's not extant so we can look at it directly but we do have reference to it uh in in uh and it makes helps make sense of one of the chapters in chapter five about what was happening the uh the so the second letter is first corinthians as we're looking through the actual history um and in that book we find from chapter 16 and verse 17 there was, that there was a delegation sent to Ephesus to see Paul. And so this this delegation that came to see Paul had a a, a, a letter written uh outlining the questions that the the people before that uh from Corinth wanted Paul to answer. And uh, chapter sixteen, verse seventeen. I was glad because they have supplied what was lacking from you. So there's the letter, and then there is these three gentlemen who came with the letter and could enlarge and expand on the things that weren't the things that weren't included in the letter. I think that's the, my understanding of how how this thing uh this thing worked. This is this First Corinthians letter, as we said earlier, it's written from Ephesus, but now I am writing to you that And it goes on from there. Uh, Paul made another visit, uh, and he also planned to send uh, Timothy and Apollos. And I just want to pause here. And as we look at the Apostle Paul, we're not only looking at the history of a man who spread the gospel, but we're looking at him as an example of the passion, of the commitment that uh, a church leader had in those days. And those are the same kind of things we need to observe as we go through this for ourselves. What kind of uh, passion and commitment he had to the gospel in this very difficult place. And yet he perse- persevered there uh, to, to uh, help them forward in the Christian faith. And that's our role as well with, as brothers and sisters in the Lord to continue what God had started uh continue to help maintain help help grow help a witness to others as well and this is these multiple letters and multiple visits and planned visits are all important for us to uh uh to understand so not only was there a letter first corinthian's letter from his second year at Ephesus paul visited the corinthian church a second time as he indicated he would in first Corinthians chapter sixteen and verse six. This this letter was probably written during his last year in Ephesus. And this uh, visit that he did make is referred to in 2 Corinthians. We need to reach into 2 Corinthians to complete this story. Uh, He called out a painful visit. And uh, hence was the beginning of his writing of this next letter. Uh, And and he he referred as well to something called the letter of tears. I don't know if that was an additional letter or it was the 2 Corinthians letter he was referring to. Uh, and then, as he's writing Second Corinthians, he talks about um, wanting to uh, uh, to visit the th- the church a third time, and uh, and so on. So we'll look at that more in in the Second Corinthians letter. But that's the threads of what Paul was working with, and I summarized those here. Uh, his uh, again follow ups that continued uh, even on through the second letter and and multiple visits. And perhaps a third letter mentioned in Second Corinthians as well, which I'll leave to later. The the uh, timing of all of these again to demonstrate uh, the, the duration of his active ministry in in, in the church at Corinth. Uh, and these you can study on your own, but uh, the, these are the mentions of these various uh, things I, I talked about ac- according to a timing. So from the year of about A.D. 52, his first visit through to A.D. 57, uh, very active in this church to, uh, to try and uh, help them with their issues, problems, and encourage them, teach them, and move them forward in their life. lives. So uh, who was the audience? We've seen bits of this already. Uh, it was a combination of uh, Jewish people and, and Gentile people. Direct references to the Jewish people show some of the, the characters who were there. Priscilla and Aquila, we read about. Uh, they were expelled from Rome. Crispus and his entire household, the first synagogue leader. And I'm presuming the way the story went is the next synagogue leader was Sosthenes when Crispus uh, was became a Christian and then Sosthenes looks like he did after. And... Uh, uh, there are there are references to circumcised people as well in first Corinthians chapter seven uh, referring of course to Jews so we know that there were many Jews in this early church uh, this slide at the top right has the synagogue it 's actually a stone that 's in the museum of antiquity for the city of Corinth today. you can see it there it 's believed to be part of that synagogue testimony that of where it uh, where it stood in the in the city at the time paul was writing there 's also many references to uh, Judaism in, in buried in his writings throughout the book. He refer he makes references to to the law. He makes reference to the scriptures. He makes reference to circumcision. So clearly, there was a a very complex church of uh, racially Jewish people practicing Jewish people, Jewish converts, and also uh, of course the uh, the Roman and Greek converts uh, from among the from among the Gentiles. Uh, there's also just had s- noticed that picture. The uh, Bema Court in the uh, in the center of the city, where Paul and his, and some of his Jewish friends would have been dragged into for judgment by the Romans about what they were doing uh, in the city. The uh, major threads of the book uh, come from uh, these these tra- tra- verses in Scripture in the letter that you can see. The first thread of what uh, what came to Paul are divisions reported by Chloe in the church. It was also reported to him either by that delegation that came or by others that there was this uh, sexual immorality in the church that was being uh, referred uh, to to the apostle Paul as well. And uh, there is also mentioned in the in the book of Corinthians some additional issues that he was facing. Now we're going to be looking at those one by one, and uh, I won't I won't to go through through them today in any detail, of course. But they're the ones that uh, that, that these are the ways in which uh, uh, Paul had been informed of what what was uh, the, what what were the concerns of the church in uh, in in at Corinth. Now this is a bit of a message to the speakers who are to follow in our, our studies as we read it uh to note uh note the structure of the book along these threads that we just mentioned. It's so vital for us in the foundation of our interpretation to understand the context of what Paul was addressing. Uh, as we noted uh, on the occasion slide that prompted the writing of this letter, we can see the structure of Paul's responses uh, and the tough things that he was facing as we look at the, uh, at the structure of the things that he's responding to. He's not doing Theology 101 course here. He's not doing a, a, a church practice uh, handbook or anything like that. He's responding to the specific things that he had already taught about and that he, is, uh, uh, he has been given to answer. So in chapter 1 and verse 11, I've heard from some in Chloe, Chloe's household about quarrels and division. Chapter 5 and verse 1, it is actually reported to me, and we noted those two in the last slide. But now there's there's a series of uh, things you should underline in your in your Bibles as we go through this. Chapter seven and one, he uses the phrase repeatedly. Now concerning, so it's pretty clear that those were the things outlined in the letter that Paul was given uh, when the when the delegation appeared. And different different chapters start with that now concerning and so you anticipate when you look at that you see the question that was being brought to paul and and those were the issues that the, the, that's the reason for these issues that were uh, being addressed by paul and so we need to see them as being a questions questions of a church their problems uh the circumstances of those problems and the principles behind what why what paul addressed and, uh said to them uh, uh either overtly or indirectly uh what principles he was using from his teaching to them about what they should be doing, and that's that's really what we have in in all of these. So there's a number of uh, these areas that start with this phrase "now concerning." One of them it does not have those exact words in chapter 15, but it seems that that also the resurrection of Christ uh, was uh, something he, that he had been given, and he was he spent. Uh, about two or three chapters on the teaching on the the resurrection of the body, some of the great hope of of the Christian faith uh, in in those chapters. He talks about the now concerning the collection of God's people, now concerning Apollos' coming. So it's very important for us as speakers as we go through these chapters to notice the the context of how the question came to them, what the principles were of of, uh, them being corrected and taught and exhorted, and then how do we, in our age, transfer that, those applications to us in our day and get the same learnings that that church did. When we start looking at, uh, uh what, how these things stitch together in the book, I like to use the, I always was one who would study the scriptures and, uh, Look for the words that were repeated many times, and I would sit through there and say one, two mentions of church or whatever the thing. Now you get a computer tool. Uh, this didn't come from me, by the way, but uh, you, you can get it. you have a tool that will count the number of words throughout the text and then order them on a slide like we have here. And you don't need to uh, adjust see it in detail, but that the Christ and God are the big ones uh, that that they're obviously mentioned the most times in the book. So I did my own summary of those in the right-hand slide to just point out the the big picture of the book of Corinthians. In the mention of uh, God, God's Christ, Jesus, Spirit, Lord. That's the answer to our question, where do you go? Where do we go when the going gets grueling? We go to the Lord himself. And all about that is th- th- threaded all the way through the book. God, God's Christ the Lord. And then a big theme, particularly at the beginning of the book, is circled around wisdom and wise, the wise and those who are foolish. And we need to take special application to those to ourselves. Uh, Paul is showing them that they need to go to the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world, not to the wisdom of the Greeks, not to the empowered wisdom of the Romans, but to go to God for his Wisdom and guidance and direction in our lives. We're not to see things through the lens of the world. And this is, applies to each and every one of us. We have the world around us. It influences our thinking. It influences our attitudes. And we need to go to the word of God to be separate from the world in those ways. And look to God as the source and fount of our knowledge and our wisdom. And how we view the world. Uh, and, and that's clear in here. And then are the themes of the, of the people side of the equation as the third one. It talks about will. It talks about our mind. It talks about knowing. It talks about following. It be, talks about becoming spiritual. It talks about spiritual power, spiritual gifts. talks about the temple of our bodies. talks about us and holiness. Being brothers and another's one another and among and the whole aspect not only of individual holiness not only of individual perspectives but corporate church-wide behaviors and expectations as well. So I hope you find that, that helpful as we go through the book. Uh, this is how that all unfolds <laughs> in in the uh, in our studies and it describes the grueling as I'm calling of it because some of those truly are more difficult uh, uh, very difficult to uh, understand and and uh, study and learn together how they apply to us today but that is our task and it's uh, so important Paul wrote his book not just to the church at Corinth he wrote it to the church at large we saw that in in, in the first verses of the of the book so that those are, that's our path forward and uh, the speakers are that follow don't need to be constrained by these titles of course they're just an outline of what I saw is the, uh, kind of the themes and the possible breakdowns of the chapters. One thing you will notice as we go through this, there is some interleaving. This is not like a point one, point two, point three, uh, book. It's, it's, there, there's a lot of interleaving throughout the chapters. So it flows one and then it'll go back to another. There'll be some parentheses and, and interleaving as he tries to weave a full picture of, of the challenges facing the church. So Paul's purposes that flow from that, to set right the disorders, to correct some misunderstandings, to answer these items raised, to teach the resurrection doctrine in detail, and to, throughout it all, encourage, teach, and exhort. So the the application for us, where do we go when the going gets grueling for us? And these are the things that I think come to mind to apply this to ourselves today. These things get grueling for us when we forget how we started, when when there are serious divisions setting in, when we forget the Spirit's presence and power in our lives, when holy living is falling apart, when we let others judge in our place, when the sanctity of being single, single or married needs elaboration and teaching from the Lord. When we don't know how to live in the worlds of unbelief which we are in. When we don't know how to keep ourselves and each other holy. When bringing glory to God in church gathering needs correction. Understanding the the role of God's empowerment and his spirit and gifts is lacking. And the certain hope of the resurrection is not fully appropriated, maybe believed, but fully appropriated in our lives and the attitudes by which we live in hope of his coming again and his hope of uh, continuing to be present in our lives. So, in short, where do we go when the going gets grueling? We call on the name of our Lord Jesus. We revel in our enrichment and calling in him. We remain thankful in hope and we rest in his faithfulness. I'll just call Steve up uh, to uh, he would close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, Indeed, it is such an amazing thing what you've done for us, the love you've shown for us. Help us, Father, just to be a people. We just want to learn to follow, to be closer to you, and to serve and to honor you in our lives. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening.